Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A Group at Steichman Alley. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guests, Asim Kreshi, co-founder of One World Foods, and Kareem Kanji, uh, his partner and, and a co-founder of One World Food. Asim, Kareem, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. Asim and Karim, you have a great story at One World Foods, and we got so much to talk about, so so much interesting things to talk about for our uh, audience. But I'd like to start by first uh, learning a little bit about yourselves and talking a little bit about how this One World Foods came to be. Uh, and maybe I'll start with the sim, just learning a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, so Karim and I are both good friends, uh, both born and raised Toronto local kids. Uh, we both grew up in the food space. Our families were both involved in food businesses as we were kids. Uh, but we both, you know, again, born and raised, educated locally. We both got into kind of corporate Canada, uh, larger corporations. But we obviously had that passion in us, in our DNA, if you will, uh, to be a part of a food experience, a food business. And so, you know, one of the things we talked about several years ago now was that there was a, we both felt that there was a lack of authentic ethnic South Asian foods that really spoke to our generation and our communities. Um, so, you know, again, Kareem and I just talked when they said, look, if you feel that way and I feel that way, we're probably not the only two guys that feel that way. So there's obviously, you know, a bit of a gap here. And so we started then looking at, well, what are the opportunities? Um, and again, we said, there's just no one that's really, we thought, representing South Asian ethnic halal food very well. And if no one else is doing it, then, you know, why shouldn't we do it? Uh, so a bit ambitious, a bit bold, but that that was pretty much the uh, the uh, impetus. That's what kind of started us thinking about, hmm, maybe there is a gap here that if no one else is solving that Karim and I could, you could you know, be a part of the solution for. So, so Karim, I have to ask, you, you decide to do this. You are two guys who kind of have to put together the infrastructure to build out a food <laughs> company, which, you know, not easy. How did you get this off the ground? How did you take the idea and make it real? So one of the things that we did, particularly in uh, the, the the offset or the initial uh, part of the, the building of the organization, was to really understand what was out there, uh, the way that business was being handled, particularly in this uh, ethnic channel. And we saw a larger opportunity to be able to not just take the concept of what we had, particularly for the for the company, but to be able to run it on a more of a mainstream uh, vision. And in order to do that and do that successfully well, the thought process was that in order to do that, you, you know, you don't want to uh, focus on the independence or the smaller uh, locations. We want to be able to hit the large retailers and uh, get that scale, get the visibility and for us to being able to to grow and build that uh, organization from a, from more of a top down approach. And that's exactly what we did. We we started with some uh, amazing family recipes that uh, Awesome and his family had with uh, tandoori chicken, with a marinated chicken that uh, brought uh, a lot of color to, let's call it the commodity space. And uh, that was what ignited the business uh, with our first retailer uh, being Longos and uh, making our way uh, up across uh, all the other majors, including Walmart, Loblaws, Sobeys, uh, Costco, etc. Awesome. I'm, and you started with the tandoori chicken. Uh, how do you 
maybe we we say this one world foods i know and i see it in my in my supermarket when i shop is in all kinds of brands so maybe tell us a little bit about the breadth and the depth of the brands currently and then how do you actually decide what brand to pick and i mean obviously they say when it comes to food company that's where that's 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 all the money is in picking right so how do you you both decide where to take a product or how to grow a product and obviously when you're a small business so much is on the line in making that decision so um because i know even for uh the size of your company you have an incredible amount of brands so how how have you gotten to where you are and how do you make those decisions yeah, great, uh, great question. So, um, so just to uh, to recap, so we've got two operating brands. So, One World Foods is the parent company. We have two operating brands. The one is Tandoori Oven. That's the brand that we initially launched with. This was the marinated chicken to start, and then we expanded from um, marinated chicken into value-added frozen. Um, we have a whole line of authentic uh, South Asian traditional cuisine, like samosas and kebabs. But also a lot of Indian fusion as well. We do a butter chicken tikka as one of our number one selling, uh, our chicken tikka pizza is number one selling uh, frozen item, uh, Bombay masala. We have a butter chicken lasagna. So that kind of fusion um, concept, if you are that hybrid concept. So that's kind of tendery up. And uh, that was the first brand to launch. About a year and a half into market and seeing the progress and the success of the market resonating uh, with tendery oven, uh, we looked at again the market and said, okay, well, this is great for South Asian. But there's still a broader halal component that doesn't have to be South Asian, that there's a market looking for. So Tandoori Oven really focuses on South Asian, whether you are looking specifically, you grew up with South Asian cuisine, or just someone that's a bit of a, uh, an explorer that wants to try something different. Tandoori Oven, being modern, progressive, it really, we find, appeals to folks. It, it kind of reaches out. We, we think it's really um, important that the brands had success in Canada first. Right? We think it's truly a Canadian experience, that there is a lot more openness, a lot more willingness to try items if you extend a hand, which in this case comes from the branding, the packaging, uh, to a, uh, a consumer that would be open. So it's really a give and take there. So that was Tandoori Evening and it started first. As we saw that growth, though, we said, well, there's a lot of other products that, again, we're the number one consumer. You know, what do we take home to our families that we couldn't have that were non-South Asian, but still were halal? And so the second brand that we launched was One World, uh, specifically One World Halal Foods. And so that launched, like I say, about a year and a half later. And it was to target halal consumers, ones that where the halal is the number one driver, that aren't didn't have access to high-quality, value-added halal products, such as our pastrami, or our roast beef in our deli, our burgers. We do one of the highest-quality burgers you can find, regardless of halal or not. Um, so those are the two operating brands. Though That was kind of our decision-making around why the two what the differences are and how the market um, is somewhat different for both of them. And Karim, I, I know I've seen the growth of One World Foods and, and I, it's been incredible to see uh, how far you've come in a short period of time. And I know that in the early days, you kind of really did this bootstrap, kind of dollar for dollar. As the dollar <clears> came <throat> in, you you spent it to grow. But I also know that, that at a certain point, uh, you both uh, came to a decision that you needed private capital, you needed to find money to help you grow. And I maybe you talk a little bit about that turning point or that decision that you made uh, to grow from kind of just growing with your own resources to when you kind of said, <laughs> hey, we, we need additional resources to, to take this to another level. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think one of the big growth opportunities is that 
you, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to steal Austin's line here. Money is like oxygen. And, uh, you know, you can go through it really quickly. Uh, so, you know, obviously, Austin and I bootstrapped, um, you know, did what we did uh, in order for us to be able to get it to uh, a place where we felt that, you know, that the infrastructure and the foundation was built really strong. So now we took that concept and that strategy uh, with, the, with the sales and the existing footprint that we had and went out to, uh, to, to speak to some strategic partners. Uh, a very, very good experience actually understanding you know, who's out there and um, what sort of dollars and um, other strategic partnerships that could be available. So one of the big things that we recognized is that you know, we really wanted to focus more in on the brand uh, on the marketing, being able to continue to build and grow that portfolio. So one of the things that we discussed was, could we find a strategic partner that could support us on that? And in a short period of time, we were actually able to uh, bring on uh, a venture capital firm, uh, District Ventures, uh, which is uh, led by Arlene Dickinson. Uh, and, you know, one of the, uh, w- one of the great things uh, with the partnership there was, they complemented really well in terms of uh, the, the gaps in areas where we felt that there could be a significant opportunity for us to uh, grow and build. Um, so we had them come on uh, in 2018. And, um, you know, fortunately enough, as we continued to grow uh, and continue to grow and expand our business, uh, just last year, again, uh, we went out to do another round and, uh, and they said, hey, you guys are doing great. Uh, you're doing fantastic. Keep your heads down and we're going to support you guys uh, for the full second round. So that investment uh, and, and the growth um, has continued to help us ignite and grow, uh, as Austin mentioned, into multiple categories, multiple uh, areas of, uh, of the shelves, and uh, also now has uh, allowed us to grow into the U.S., which has been a, a new venture for us in itself. Uh, with the uh, with with the growth into the U.S. into uh, 2021, and particularly in a in a period where uh, the world is uh, in a difficult place right now with COVID. So, you know, one of the things that we have done uh, in speaking to the brand concept is, you know, how can you actually connect people, you know, from around the world through food, and that was the concept in the evolution of One World. So. Our new branding allows us to focus on a concept of just one world, but, you know, many different flavors. So just really being able to have a convenient spot to be able to pick up, uh, you know, food that may be originated in terms of flavor profile from various parts of the world. And that's one of the big uh, trends that we've seen in the market that we've kind of leaned a, a lot more towards and what we see as our continued strategic growth in the market. I just want to build on what Kareem was talking about. When you focus on this great success story in terms of your growth and how you've been able to really take these unique product lines and put them on the shelves of some of the largest you know, grocers in Canada, what would you say has been the greatest challenge for you? What, do you, what would you say has been the, and, and the obstacles or obstacle or obstacles that have been the toughest as you focused on growth and, and, and as you've tried to push forward? on your strategy? Yeah, thanks. I would say that the the biggest challenge has been simply that there isn't really a roadmap for what we've done. And I'm not trying to suggest that Kareem and I are, you know, these, uh, you know, tremendous entrepreneurs that started something that no one had done. But there is some truth to the fact that there isn't a playbook 
specifically for this type of uh, this type of a, of a path, if you will. So, uh, so one of the things our, our one of our strengths is that we are uh, our business model is built on a strong co-packing partnership. So that's I think one of the foundations that was really important. Whatever decisions um, that was really important. So we work with really really incredible co-packers. Uh, but in terms of challenges, like I say, navigating the space, there is there weren't many people we could have called. There's people that have done certain things really, really well. Obviously, you know, we're not the first person who's a co-packer to get listed with a major banner. But tying together that that whole story of, okay, modern, ethnic, very progressive branding, uh, very forward marketing and presentation, authentic flavor profiles, trying to get that right every time, um, understanding the dynamics of different retailers, anyone that's in in major retail knows that, you know, we call them major retail, but they're all very unique. They have different personalities. Walmart, you know, acts and behaves very different than let's say a Loblaws or a Sobeys. Uh, so just, I would say the biggest single challenge has been the the lack of a playbook um, or, or, you know, somewhere you just turn to. So, you know, it, it's, it becomes difficult to, to find, well, who do I call for this type of a question or a challenge? And so that's why, you know, I'd make the point to say, you know, I don't think any, neither crewman and I could have done this on our own. It really took, the fact that we had each other bounce these thoughts, these questions off each other um, to get us to where we are. And, and Kareem, when, when you think about all the challenges you faced, if you had to do it again, would, would you do something different than knowing now what you know, when you, you look back at your success, is there something you you'd say to yourself, if we would have done it like this, it would have made it a little easier. Or, you know, when you look at the secrets of your success, is there something you would say, you know, focus on on that? If I would have focused more on that, would have been even better? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And it's it's funny because every day uh, we seem to, to, to learn more in this industry and the people that we work with. You know, it, like, like Awesome said, it's not a direct path. It's not a straight line. So, you know, some of the challenges that we face, some of the obstacles that we uh, had to get through to, to get here, um, also strengthened us and allowed us to, you know, think outside of that box. And I think that, you know, if everything was just a, a straight line, it just, you don't really get challenged. And uh, I, I think at, at the same point, if you're being challenged, you're also thinking uh, much wider, much broader. And that, I think some of these challenges that you face allow you to do that. So, you know, put, it, put on your thinking cap, you know, do those whiteboard sessions, really build and grow. Um, I, I think, you know, and particularly with the retailers, you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's always challenging. Like like Awesome said, there's some that, uh, you know, we've been able to form this amazing partnership with, um, and it seems to be a quite a quite a common trend where we've gone away from probably you know selling to more of being a partner with them. And that took some time. That that takes time in the space. Um, but I think that, you know, every day uh, presents a, a new challenge. So, I mean, I mean, if I was to look back and, and say, hey, if there was something that, you know, we had to do different, there's not a single thing that I would say I would, you know, change this because uh, it, it's given us so much more of a, a different lens uh, into the business and allowed us to grow individually and collaboratively as, a, as an organization. I see I always ask our guests a crystal ball question, uh, which is where they think things are going in terms of the, their own business and how they see that relates to the broader market. And I'm obviously going to ask you that too, but before I get there, I mean, obviously 
you're in the food business. I mean, COVID has <laughs> ironically been good for the you know, grocers and, and supermarkets. Uh, you've obviously uh, had the advantage of that in the sense that that's your kind of core space. Is your thinking in terms of where we go from here uh, when you see your product in the market that there will be a, a continued growth in the uh, grocery sector because of, of some of the fundamentals uh, that COVID has uh, created? And what do you think that means for your business? Yeah, thank you. Great question. I think um, why we remain, uh, despite the challenges that we just, just talked about, why we remain extremely optimistic and, and proud um, is because a lot of the fundamentals that we bet on, if you will, a few years ago, remain just as true, in fact, are growing. Um, so just customer demand around ethnic food, South Asian food, continues to grow, whether it's in grocery or just in the restaurant space. Uh, spice preferences, more and more consumers are looking for foods with additional flavors, additional spices. Halal is growing 10 to 15% year over year. Um, so there are a number of different trends that, again, were part of our initial thought, our, our bet, if you will, that continue to reign true. In fact, have been amplified and are growing. Um, COVID specifically, I think, just further put our space writ large, frozen, value-added, ready-to-eat, um, more in the spotlight. So that definitely helped and accelerate, as you said. But I think that would have been short-lived had it not been for the underlying fundamentals around what consumers are looking for and how we're filling that void. And Karim, from your perspective, when you see the business where it is and where you want to go, what do you think the future looks like for one world what do you, what do you think the kind of challenges successes that are waiting for you ahead yeah i think the future is quite bright uh i i think as my earlier comment you know connecting people with food um is is quite a creative and innovative concept and i think one of the things that we do there is our innovation pipeline is is it, it, it's almost like untapped so if you think about um all the different you know, multicultural uh, offerings that are, are available, particularly in, in Canada more than other countries, we've just kind of scratched the surface. So, you know, for us to be able to um, introduce uh, new innovation in other uh, ethnic types of foods uh, and, and making it more of a mainstream spin, I, I believe there, there is a, there's an unlimited opportunity in that set. And as we continue to see that growth and demand uh, in different types of foods and the innovation, uh, there was there was one of the one of the articles that we had read was that you know Canada in particular is the individuals are probably one of the most open to trying other types of foods, uh, and and I think that resonates really well on the grocery shelves. So uh, I think people are tired of the you know the the common uh, common products that you'd kind of see normally, and we see that in categories. So for example. Uh, in pizza, you know, years ago it was cheese, there was pepperoni, maybe a vegetarian, and, and that's it. Now you start seeing flavors uh, of the world, right? You see uh, uh, a chicken tikka pizza that we offer, a Bombay style masala pizza that we offer that bring in, you know, uh, a South Asian flavor and getting that bite and that flavor in every bite uh, as, you, as you eat into it. And, and those are the sort of opportunities that uh, are available, I, I think, in, in the food space. So not necessarily, you know, creating a whole brand new category, but maybe innovating the ones that 
are present there today and expanding on that. So that, that's one of the big things that I look forward to. Uh, I also look forward to strengthening our partnerships uh, from a supplier standpoint. So the way we built our business is uh, really uh, focused on working with uh, top tier manufacturers uh, in Canada. So whether that expands to uh, other parts of the world um, uh, is yet to be determined, but that there, there is definitely uh, an opportunity to continue our expansion, uh, not just in Canada and uh, the US, but I think uh, abroad. So that, those are some of the, the things that I look forward to as we continue to grow and build. Uh, and really having every home have that great experience of having great products uh, with great flavor profiles that are, are also healthier for you. Uh, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, we've all been uh, cognizant of, especially, especially now more than ever. Asim and Karim, I want to say thank you. I, I have to admit, you make me hungry listening to you. <laughs> So thank you for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure learning about your story and the incredible story and success of One World Foods. So I really appreciate uh, you coming on today and, and telling us about your story. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Mario. Thanks for having us. Take care. Bye-bye.